Linda McHenry, host of The Writer's Voice, and my guest today is John Radosta. How are you, John? I'm doing great, Linda. Thanks for having me today. Sure. Now, John is the author of a nonfiction work on Bob Dylan, so he's going to talk about that. Then we're going to move on and talk about collaboration, how two writers manage to write and publish a book together. And then we're going to talk about pseudonyms and probably anything else that comes to mind, because he and I kind of like to talk. So why don't you start, John, by holding up that book cover? Sure. And the name of the book is Bob Dylan in Performance. Yes. And didn't you take that photo? I did take that photo at, um, I think, the 47th show of Bob's <laughs> that I went to, uh, Mass, okay. Springfield, Mass. I also want to point out there are some people who might care. The subtitle is Song, Stage, and Screen, and we did use the Oxford comma. So oh, yes, Oxford comma. I'm just going to lay that one down right there. <laughs> I'm with you on the Oxford comma. <laughs> so tell us about the book, because it's, it's nonfiction. It's not a biography. You mentioned to me that you wanted to write about his performance strategy. So share that a little bit with us, because I think that's quite a different take. Most people are used to hearing about his music. Right. Well, you know, you know, forever people have talked about Bob as, you know, being a great writer. I mean, how many people have said, oh, I love Bob Dylan's songs, but I hate his voice. <laughs> and so we took that as our starting point. We wanted to say that he actually uses his voice on purpose, that it sounds exactly the way he wants it to sound. And we even talk about different ways that he changes his voice to make jokes, to highlight words, to hide words, to combine words. So um, we thought his voice was really important. The funny thing is that I don't know a whole lot about music. So we actually got through the entire book without talking about notes and melodies, because I just don't know anything about that. Well, it, it sounds to me like you're talking about how he wrote his performance. He scripted the performance. Not only did he yes. write the words he said, but he choreographed the whole thing. That's a great word. You know, I never thought about it that way. But yes, it's exactly what he does. So, you know, the way he phrases things, you know, the way he pauses, elongates words. So that's what we wrote about for 300 something pages. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> But you know about that, though, because you're a teacher. So you do a lot of public speaking, even if it's in the classroom. So you, exactly. do you think you had a lot? Is that did that you think that had a lot to do with why you found it so interesting? It might be. I mean, the, the main thing is that I've always been obsessed with Dylan myself. And I actually <laughs> got my my co-writer obsessed. We were uh, college roommates. And so I forced him to listen to a lot of Dylan. And he actually went on to become an academic. And so he's the one that started writing about Dylan. I just listened. But I think because he's a professor and I'm a teacher, we were drawn to that public performance idea. And so talk about the process, because as you and I have mentioned before, on a couple of occasions, you guys lived on opposite coasts when you yes. co-wrote that book. Even though you were college roommates, you didn't write the book till much later and you lived 3000 miles apart. How'd that work? It was a crazy kind of situation. And it started that he came to Boston to deliver a paper on Dylan. And we went out to dinner afterwards. And I, I didn't get to see him deliver the paper, but he came and he says, oh, you know, I got an offer to write a book. I said, congratulations. That's fantastic. He said, but I've never written a book before. I've only written articles. I said, well, you just write a bunch of them. He <laughs> says, I can't do that. So you've written books before. Will you help me? I said, I write crime fiction. It's completely different from writing an academic book. He says, yeah, but you've at least written something that long. So let's do this together. 
So um, I was like, sure, not a problem. Let's give this a try. And what he did was he sent me one of his Dylan articles. He says, you know, take my Dylan article and add to it, make it yours. And so from that one little article, the whole book came out. And so we each went into you know, different directions. I like writing about the literature part. So I like the analysis. And he talks a lot more about you know, the academic words with all those long Latinate endings. <laughs> so he basically gave you a synopsis is what he did. He didn't exactly. realize it, but isn't that what he did? He did. And so we, we both brought a lot to the, to the table. He brought the idea of just coming up with all of these great ideas. And I came with the ninth grade English teacher and I said, okay, <laughs> we have finger. a deadline. <laughs> yeah. My wife always tells me don't use the finger, but I did that one on purpose. I made sure that he kept to deadlines. You know, the, the publisher said, you know, we had this one deadline. And so I had to rein him in every once in a while, mm -hmm. uh, but he had to push me in order to expand my ideas. I'm so used to reading these high school essays and I needed to learn how to expand. Mm -hmm. And so we would just email back and forth every, every couple of days. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a fascinating way to, uh, to get to know somebody too that I haven't seen. Isn't it amazing the insight somebody else has? I co-wrote a mystery with a fellow who actually was the senior editor of my first mystery novel that I published. So he and I, many years later, wrote a mystery together. And he's Right now he's 88 and I'm 64. So there's a huge wow. age difference. He's in California, I'm in Massachusetts. The male female thing, I have an insurance background. He has a background in law enforcement, the military, and he also has a PhD in forensic, wow. forensics and behavioral science. So he writes all kinds of scholarly articles for Harvard. Mm -hmm. So we wrote a book together. So I understand what you're saying, how you write something, you have a love of the same thing and you wanna talk about the same thing, but you approach it from completely different perspectives. Yes. And I think it worked. I could have, if somebody had pushed me, written my half of the book, yeah. but it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good without his input. And he could have done the same thing. But I think the two of us brought very different ideas. We're also very lucky that uh, when we were at Boston University, we had the same professor, Christopher Ricks. Okay. He's a very famous academic, especially about T.S. Eliot, Mm -hmm. and Keats, but he's mm -hmm. also a huge Dylan fan. <laughs> and so Keith and I both had him and we both had Rick's voice in our heads as we were writing. So in the end, you know, even when I read it, I don't remember some of the lines, you know, if I wrote this, if Keith wrote this, but a lot of them are that same style because we both went back to Christopher Rick. So mm -hmm. that influence really went on across the decades. And it's funny how that happens because I know another pair of writers, Bill Curtin, he lives in Scotland, but he's originally from the UK and, and Eden lives in Canada and they co-write and she writes a chapter or a scene and he'll write a chapter in a scene and they do that. And when Herb and I wrote, he wrote certain characters, I wrote certain characters, but when we edited and when we went back, like I would edit his, he would edit mine, we'd edit each, edit each other. So ours comes across probably like yours is you can't distinguish the different voices of the writers. It's the characters. Okay. And for you, it sounds like yours is the same. And, and some writers like the distinct separate voices. So I guess collaboration is out of work, I guess, just however you are, but I like you, I really like the idea. 
Now, I have a question about writing different characters because uh -huh. those mm -hmm. characters would be in the same scene, right? So did you go line by line or did you- We decide? did it based on point of view character. So if there were oh, three okay. different characters, like I wrote all the POV scenes for Anne, this woman who was an insurance forensics person. He wrote all the scenes from um, the criminal and from a couple of law enforcement officials. I wrote a couple of others. So there's, you know, we had three or four different people who had point of view, the scenes were from them. So I wrote a couple, he wrote a couple. And again, there were, how many times did I write a scene from Joe's perspective? And he said, Linda, there's no way a cop would say that. <laughs> and he'd write something from the female, um, the accomplice of the, of the criminal. I said, no, 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 she wouldn't, she wouldn't say that, or she wouldn't do that. How come she's wearing those shoes? He's, well, everyone I ever worked with wore that. And I'm thinking, no, but you know, you, you have to come to terms with who is the character. Mm -hmm. And that's what it boils down to. Not whether Linda's right or whether Herb's right. It's what would that character do? And did you like build on each other's plot points or did you agree in advance what was going to happen? Well, <laughs> with Herb and I, he's one of those people, I'm more of a big picture um, right-brained writer and he's very detailed. So we had a plot and we wrote the plot and then one of us thought something should be changed and he thought it should change way more than I did, but I was fine because every time he suggested a change, I was on board. And he, I think is the stronger plotter. So I was happy to defer to him. There were a couple of things I wasn't crazy about, but mm -hmm. you know, again, I think plot comes out of character. So if the right. character indicated that something needs to be this way rather than the way we plan, synopses and outlines are great, but I mean, they're not written in stone as far as I'm concerned. Excellent. Now, share your perspective on pseudonyms because you have a secret life. Yes, I do have a secret life. Before I was writing uh, Bob Dylan stuff, I was, or I am a uh, crime writer. Under a different name, I have published a novel, very dark novel, and a bunch of short stories. And the reason why I did that is because I'm a teacher, and some of my stuff gets really dark. As a matter of fact, you know, I'd been married 13 years or so when, when my book came out, and when my sister-in-law read it, she's like, who did my sister marry? I'm like, <laughs> same geek that you look at now all the time. This one with a really good imagination. Exactly. <laughs> so we decided that probably my students uh, shouldn't be reading that. And the best way to avoid it was to write under a pseudonym. So it's a little disappointing because I'd like to be able to say I wrote that, but I get to talk about it. I tell them a lot of my uh, writing travails as we go. Mm -hmm. So it's a trade-off that I can't really take credit for things, but at least I get to have my secret life as well. Yeah, well, and the other thing too, I would imagine that as these students become of age and choose what they wanna read without their parents' input, they may stumble across you and then that will be neat. Yes. Because like I said, I mean, it's one thing to say what they should or shouldn't read. I can certainly understand you as, you know, writing whatever. I mean, I know someone who writes erotica, same thing. You write under another name because there are people you know you don't want to influence them. Right. But yeah, I can't imagine writing with another name that isn't me. It is kind of strange to talk about myself in the, this otherworldly way. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, I get to look at things differently because I do write short stories under my own name. Mm -hmm. I haven't published many, but most of them are under the pseudonym. Actually, while I was writing the Dylan book, 
I was also writing a YA mystery. Mm-hmm. And that one I do want to publish into my own name. And so, you know, going back and forth between Dylan and fiction, it was it was a fun back and forth. Um, but when I look at a story, I start to think, oh, is this a John Rodasta story? Or is this a so-and-so? My secret story? life story. <laughs> and so I get to approach, it's almost like I've branded within myself, like mm-hmm. whose name should be attached to it. More often, the other guy wins, but... Yeah, there's probably a part of you that likes the secret too, because there's not a whole lot of constraint. Exactly. I don't have to worry at all about what I'm going to write there. Yeah, yeah. And I can send it to, you know, some very small and very specific journals and zines Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't want my name attached to, but I'm happy to have them, you know, pay me for it. Right, right, right. Now, one other thing I want to ask you, one thing before we go, I I write insurance textbooks by day fiction okay i've written magazine articles i've written newspaper articles you know all different kinds of things and i don't have a problem moving from one to the other and in fact if i'm stuck with one i just switch gears and go to something else um i mean even within even within the nonfiction, i'm usually working on two projects at the same time and i'm usually working on two books at the same time in different places so I like that I can switch because if I get stuck or bored, I move to something else and I don't have writer's block. What do you have to say about switching from genre to genre? Well, this is the only time that I've actually been able to do that, but I loved it because I had a lot of confidence writing the YA novel while I was working on it, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in the academic work at all. It had been years since I'd done anything like that. So I was constantly feeling this, this angst about it. And so when I got to a part in in the Dylan book where I really didn't feel confident anymore, it was usually that I had reached the end of whatever I had to say at that moment. You know, kind of like Hemingway says, you got to let the cistern fill a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would reach the end of what I could say. And then I turned to the YA book and it just poured out. And it was it was all like that cistern had filled and it was awesome. And so by the end of the year, I had written all of that novel and I had finished the Dylan book and it was probably the most productive year I'd ever had. I don't know what would have happened if I were writing two different fiction books at the same time, you know, maybe going from the dark noir to the YA. I don't know if it would have worked as well, but the very distant academic and uh, YA stuff, it was fantastic. I would love to do that again. I suspect, this is me predicting, you'll have to try it. I predict that as long as they're different characters and different plot lines, you're probably like me, you'll probably thrive on that. One feeds the other. Yeah. While your conscious mind is off one, it's still working unconsciously. Always, yeah. And whatever you're doing somewhere else is going to feed it. I suspect that would happen. Like even if you and I decided, let's let's co-write a short story. The fact that you get the feedback from another person on something else different from what you're writing. You know, and I know some people who co-write together for that very reason, because it keeps them motivated and it keeps the imagination going. Yeah, having a beta reader is so important. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me. We could go on and on, but we don't want to bore these people. You'll definitely (laughs) have to come back, okay? I would love to. Thank you so much. Yes, now hold that book cover up again so people can see it. One more time. Say the whole title with the subtitle. It's called Bob Dylan in Performance, uh, Song, Stage, and Screen by Keith Namby, who's my uh, college roommate, and John Rodasta. 
Okay. Well, thanks so much. We'll be talking to you again, John. All right. Thanks, Linda. Nice to see you. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.